Hello, Blackhawks fans. Welcome in. It's the Four Feathers postgame show. I've uh, been a little sporadic with these, but we are back here to discuss some Blackhawks hockey. Johnny Nani alongside Ron Luce tonight. Most recent outcome, uh, Blackhawks fall to the Hurricanes 6-3 in the second of back-to-backs here Tuesday, May 4th. So, Ron, been a little bit since we've been on the mic. Um, one thing that I let in before we even jumped on to record this thing was that we could have been talking about these types of games a lot, lot earlier in the season. So I think in the grand scheme, we can take a step back and be thankful that's only this last little stretch that we're doing this for. Absolutely. A a five to seven game stretch of the season is much, much better than a 56 game stretch of the season. So I agree with you there, Johnny. Much nicer to be talking about these games later in the season. They were competitive. They had a good year. A lot of guys exceeded expectations. So I, I think even with it being a quote unquote, you know, down year because there is no postseason in the Hawks future. I think they can still take a lot of, you know, I, I know I know old negative Nani doesn't love those silver linings, but there's there's a lot of those. Uh, that can really set this team up going well into the fall. So as you know, we we talked very recently after the Nashville, the, that stretch of three games, and then after one of these Florida games, um, but the Blackhawks were officially eliminated mathematically, like we mentioned was impending. We knew it was going to happen, but it just happened Monday night with a loss to the Hurricanes to open up the first of that back-to-back five to two loss in Carolina on Monday night tonight, like I had mentioned the six to three defeat. Um, so now we're starting to see some other guys rotated in. We got Colin Dahlia and net. We've got, you know, Kirby doc dealing with a little inflammation in his wrist here. So we, we've got a lot of topics to get to here just generally in Blackhawks land. So before we do that, make sure listeners you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at four feathers pod and at ontap sportsnet. If you have the podcast, go subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. We would appreciate it. We'll be bringing you Blackhawks content all off season long. I'll be not as frequent as we would with post game shows here, but uh, we'll try to get these out and talk topical, get some guests on uh, throughout. So make sure you want to subscribe through and we'll be ramped back up for the beginning of next season. So Ron, let's start with a topic that is pretty hot in Kirby doc, not playing today. Um, scar tissue, a little inflammation in that. Um, he obviously had been playing for a big stretch before this, um, ever since that first Nashville series back at the UC. Um, and then this is kind of flaring up today. We had discussed in our group chat, um, best way to approach Kirby Doc going forward. Go ahead. Just shut him down. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and let's be honest. I think it's an issue now. I think he's been dealing with this. I really do. I think he's been dealing this ever, with, with this ever since he came back. But the difference is, is when he came back, the Hawks were in a playoff position. They were actually competing to make the playoffs. And then mm-hmm. obviously, as you mentioned with, you know, Monday night, they're, they're officially eliminated from playoff contention it's not worth hurting him anymore. It's not worth making him play through any more pain. They're probably saying, Hey, you tried. We, we commend you for playing through the pain, trying to get this team into a playoff spot. Unfortunately that didn't happen this season. So it's better just to, to baby that risk the rest of the, the off season, not do too much with it and then ramp it back up whenever he needs to ramp up for the season. But it's not worth injuring Kirby doc any further in these meaningless games when you need him 
for not only next season, but for hopefully the next 10 years. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's what we're looking for here. The the big picture here. Um, that's kind of more of what our focus will be rather than an individual game going on the stretch here for the Four Feathers podcast. And you, you summed it up perfectly. That was something that we had touched on together as a group uh, and kind of agreed that was a consensus that, hey, it is, you know, if he's dealing with this scar tissue, obviously, that is what had to be repaired. Um, you know, a part of it, obviously, besides a broken wrist. So um, one thing I just did want to comment, people said that he came back for a meaningless season, yada, yada, yada. Um, I commend him, first of all, for his effort and his willingness and wanting and his drive to want to get back and help his teammates. So I do. And also, I think that the Blackhawks have a very good medical staff overall, and they would not have put him in this position if they truly, truly felt he wasn't, you know, ready to be able to come on and take on at least some sort of workload here. Um, So I do want to say it wasn't a complete waste for having Kirby Doc back because even in this, you know, we're talking about, you know, a bunch of other young guys. It's weird because there's so many other guys that are younger than him, even which is wild to think about. But either way, when you're talking about in stance of uh, NHL service time so far, um, a lot of guys are way below Kirby Doc in this because he had, you know, all of last season and the playoffs uh, on top of that. So him coming back, I do think it was beneficial. And we did see a few really nice plays. I mean, that first series back, he had an unbelievable dangle against Nashville. He had a baseball style goal. So the risk couldn't have been too, too. Like, like I said, people, I think they're overreacting to the scar tissue thing a little bit. I think it's now you shut him down let this thing heal baby it throughout the off season. Then when you do need to ramp them back up, that's time to get to. So that was kind of a news note coming into tonight. Um, another one from tonight though, that was generated from the game is Mike Hardman, a guy that we had discussed on the show scoring his first NHL goal. And he got into a little bit of a uh, nice area um, where you need to be in front of the net and picked up some loose change and drove it home. So we need to celebrate some first NHL goals because they're cool and tough Ron. They sure are, Johnny, and and what a nice play just all around, too, because you also got a first career assist for Mackenzie Entwistle on the play as well. Uh, really nice job by him to take the puck up the ice. He looked good, be, kind of beats the defender a little bit, gets a shot on net. Obviously, Mrazek deflects it away with his pad, but, uh, you know, Mikey Hardman on the spot with uh, with a nice tap and goal of his own and it's a it's a first career marker he's been busy I mean he's Mm -hmm. he's been hitting guys all over the ice he's he's on the the stat sheet even though he hasn't played a lot of minutes Uh, so it's nice to see him get his first and at least there's there's that you know a guy that this team is trying to see what they have in the future is he really a, a part of the plans or is you know maybe he just a depth guy or whatever his role might be so nice to see him get on the board also nice to see uh, Entwistle with with a nice setup for him as well. Yeah, and this is, you know, we're talking about Mike Hardman. Sure, he's actually, what, this has got to be his third or so game. So he's technically got a little more NHL experience than Mackenzie Entwistle. It's just weird to think how long they've been with the team here. But obviously, Mike Hardman signing after his college season ended this year. Um, but with, yes, Mackenzie Entwistle, his second career game, very nice to see him, uh, not just first point with the assist. And the, both of those guys doing what they need to do, going to that area in front of the net, like you would mentioned, peppering the shits, Ladios. Says, always a good play to get the uh, puck on the net. That's what he does. And Mike Hardman, uh, from the scouting report, we'd said that, okay, he's not overly quick. He's not going to be your Brandon Hagel where he's out hustling guys to the corner every single time. But, hey, he uses his speed and his size to be able to get into this area and drive home that rebound. So uh, it is nice to see him kind of have that knack for the puck, knack for the front of the net. So um, I, I was happy with that. And then let's talk a little bit more, Alex, to bring it bounce back season. We've 
touched on it a million times so far this year, but he is out to prove something this year. Uh, his first tally in tonight's game here on Tuesday, the fourth uh, was his fourth straight game with a goal. And then he added another one for good measure uh, later in a little shot that was a little bit higher from the slot, but uh, just elaborate on Alex Dabrinkit and what he's proving so far this year, Rod. Yeah, you know, and we've mentioned it, Johnny, I think very consistently throughout the season. And it was something that we were kind of looking to see entering the season too was can he step up and take that next step to being a true star on this team? I think he, you know, he had that those first two really good seasons, obviously that second year with over 40 goals. People were very excited about Alex Debrinkit. And then still a, a decent year last year was not at all by any means an awful season, but he just he wasn't himself. He was a little snake bitten. The assist numbers were good, but you figure if he wasn't a snake bitten, those goal totals would have been a lot better than 18. So I think a lot of people just wanted to see him, us included, kind of rebound, take that that step towards stardom that I think everybody thought he could. And then on top of that, just you know, really just prove you're worth the money that Stan Page. You know, this was the first year of the 6.4. You know, that finally kicked in now with with the extension that he signed before last season. So people wanted to see it. And Johnny, he's delivered almost 30 goals in a shortened season. He's been absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it's the Alex Brinkett revenge tour. I think that's the best way to describe it because uh, there, there was several factors, unlucky, um, and then also just not at the same level uh, that he was during his sophomore season in the NHL. So um, just one specific point, I said we weren't going to dive too, too much into it, but the first one was a shorthanded goal, and it was a very nice takeaway uh, between two guys trying to pass between the right wing boards and the point um, on the power play, and he intercepted it beautifully, and he has the speed to break away uh, and get down, and obviously the shot to finish. So he did that on the first one. So I commend him for that. Getting more penalty kill time, um, which is something that we had not seen in the past. So nice to see him capitalize on that with a shorthanded goal there the first time. Second one, hey, uh, Patrick Kane uh, buys him a little time, and then he's able to enter and come from that kind of top right uh, between the right circle and the right point there uh, in Barry one. So, yeah, um, just another testament to how you know good Alex Rinkett has been this year in proving that he is worth that money uh, that Stan Bowman paid him. So um, as we move on from this one, another kind of new face here, Colin Dahlia has been a while long time since we've seen him beginning of the season obviously he's been a little bit in Rockford uh, mostly on the taxi squad throughout this season came in in relief of Malcolm Subban on Monday night did stop he granted the game was a little bit you know over at that point but still stopped all the shots that he saw on Monday night and then tonight you know tough go of it and you got some empty netters at the end there so it doesn't make it look too good for Colin Dahlia but I guess we figured that we'd see him at some point on the stretch here on yeah, and especially if the season's kind of over and you kind of know what you already have in Lankin. And I think Lankin just got a little bit overworked toward the end of the year. Maybe he got in his own head a little too much, and that's why his play kind of decreased. I don't think that's an indication of his long-term future. I think he can still be a very successful goaltender in the NHL. Um, maybe not a Hall of Famer, but absolutely worth a, at least a starter. Um, at worst, a backup in the NHL. So I think they knew what they had with Lankanen. And, you know, even then, but like Subban, sure, he's been on the roster, but they rode Lankanen so heavily this season because how because of how well he played that, you know, they, they got him some games late in this stretch. And then now, all right, hey, we've seen enough of Subban. We've seen enough of Lankanen. Let's see what we actually have in Delia because he only got that one start early in the year and then we didn't see him until, yeah. you know, last night's game. 
Yeah, it's like I said, it's been a long time and there were a few conditioning stint starts in Rockford uh, so they could avoid the kind of waivers uh, that that would entail for that. So, uh, yeah, him back in between the pipes, I'm not as concerned about the results. Um, there, there were, you know, him shutting the door on Monday night. I think that's the bigger thing to focus on uh, with Colin Dahlia. Um, like I said, even though the game being out of reach at that point um, that, you know, it's not really meaningful for them, even if they were to come back and win it. But uh, good to see him get get some time in here. And I think people have been kind of clamoring for that a little bit because they just get frustrated. And it is, as a fan, it's easy to get frustrated, especially when the results start to take a turn for the worse. Um, and unfortunately, that's a little bit what we experience here uh, for the Blackhawks at the end of the season here. So um, beyond Colin Delia, uh, another guy that we need to talk about um, is Adam Gaudet. And he, since coming over from Vancouver, in, at least through three games, he had four points. Uh, and then I, I don't think he tallied any tonight. But either way, um, Adam Gaudet, he's got a little bit of a scoring touch. And I think a little bit forgotten about in Vancouver because of your Brock Bessers, because of your Elias Pettersons, because of Neil's, uh, you know, was a, a hog, a Hoglander. He, he's up there, too. So he, he got overlooked. And Adam Gaudet was dealing with a stomach issue, too, just kind of a uh, issue that plagued him throughout his time up there. And then he had the COVID stuff to deal with but very nice to see him uh jump into the lineup here and provide a little bit of a spark i I like to see that from a guy like him yeah absolutely i I think adam gaudet's actually been kind of a nice surprise i I mean people that probably i would say religiously follow hockey because you know college isn't necessarily as followed you know at least for hockey as a sport in terms of like in comparison to basketball or even baseball or or obviously football to that extent but Adam Gaudet was a Hobie Baker award winner, which for those that aren't familiar with that, that's essentially the Heisman of college hockey. He was named the best player in the country. And Stan Bowman saw a lot of this guy because he played with Dylan Sakura at Northeastern right around that time that Sakura was signing with the Hawks. So Stan was familiar with what Gaudet's abilities were. I agree with you, Johnny. I think he just never got a fair look in Vancouver, was always buried behind some better talent, you know, was kind of relegated to a fourth line role for a lot of his time up there. So, you know, he comes here, he gets a little bit of a look and quite honestly, I think it's a good look for him because I don't know if his future is necessarily with the Blackhawks, but I think he's making a pretty good case for himself to be the Seattle expansion pick because I've, I've heard whispers that in theory, Seabrook can waive his no move because he is done playing and Seattle's not going to want to take a dead contract. So the Hawks can protect the three that they need to protect on defense and they can expose Gaudet. So it, it kind of works out well. And it feels like he's doing a little bit of a tryout, but at least for sake of what we've seen as Hawks fans, he's actually been a lot of fun to watch a little top power play time uh, in tonight's game. You know, he played 18 minutes. I think that's great to give him a look and get him some playing time. Really nice player. Wouldn't mind him being a part of the future of this Blackhawks team. But unfortunately I just think his future lies with uh, the Seattle Kraken uh, and that 32nd NHL team. Yeah, and I think we will uh, have a further breakdown, especially um, after things kind of settle and they kind of prioritize uh, who they want to keep, who they want to protect, uh, all of that, and who they want actually want to expose. And I agree uh, that he could be a top candidate for that. Um, so uh, just wanted to point that out because uh, in the few little short stint that he's had, it hasn't been long uh, since the trade deadline just because of the way the season was set up, uh, but in the action that he's gotten, uh, has definitely impressed and been impactful uh, on the score sheet as well. So wanted to mention Adam Gaudet uh, in these names that we're talking about here as well. Um, but uh, overall, Ron, like we'd said, 
this was a, you know, we expected to have this kind of stuff earlier in the season, much, much, much earlier. So I think we can at least take a step back and be thankful that the Blackhawks gave us a competitive stretch. And even throughout that stretch, I think it was important that it was young guys contributing. They have the most games played by rookies so far this season. Uh, nobody's catching them in that category either. So uh, it wasn't a, you know, People can kind of say it was, oh, a waste of a season. Why'd they even bother with that? They should have just tanked and gotten the pick and whatever. I think it's some valuable experience for these guys and shows that they're also a little bit ahead of time. So um, as much as I'm still, you know, I'm still diehard, I'm upset whenever they lose. And you see all these L's in the column here where we got six straight now um, in the L column, straight up losses here. So that's never fun to see as a fan. But um, I I do at least, uh, you know, have a bit of gratitude that, that it wasn't this way uh, the whole campaign uh, through the shortened 2021 season. I don't know about you, Ron. Absolutely. I, I am so thankful that it wasn't a gong show the whole way because, you know, early in the season when when it you know the team's going to be really bad, I think Detroit is a good example. If you have a lot of young guys that you're like, I'm really excited just to see how they play this year, and you can kind of go in with that mindset, it makes it a little bit easier to watch. But like 30 games through, you're like, all right, I think we've seen enough. You know, like you're like, all right, we're going to suck. It is what it is. You know, at least for this year with even with the young guys being coming acclimated and the Philip Kurashevs of the world and the Pia Suters of the world and, um, you know, and the Brandon Hagels of the world. You know, it's been nice to see those guys not only integrate into the Blackhawks lineup, but do it in, in a way that's been competitive because they've been in a playoffs position. Hell, I know it was early in the season, but in the first 20 games, they were like the one or two seed in that division when, you know, Tampa was getting tripped up a little bit and, and even Florida a little bit early on. So it, it was nice to see them come out the gate hot and for some of these young guys to really work their way in and, and, and get that the job done. But at the end of the year now, we're really seeing what we actually, like you said, Johnny, what we anticipated as mm-hmm. kind of the, just the unfortunate truth of what we thought the season was going to be. And yeah. it's painful to watch, you know, but I think it's more painful to watch now just because we rode that high of like, wow, this team's actually competing for a playoff position. And now it's like, all right, they're out of it. These last, you know, what it's now going to be, what, four games? I don't even know if it's four games. Is it three games? Four games? Three, three left after tonight. Three after tonight. So these last three games are just going to be, Chuck in whoever, see what they do. I fully expect to see, you know, Alec Regula. I fully expect to see, um, oh boy, I'm trying to, pulling names out of your head based on the the taxi and the, and, hell, let me see an Andre Alti Barmakian for a game. Why mm-hmm. not? Like, yeah. let's, let's see some of these guys that have been really like kind of carrying Rockford. Chad Yetman? Sure. No problem. Show me the money. Like, let's, yeah. let's, let's see what these guys can do and, at least that'll be the fun of these last three games for Blackhawks fans if you are going to tune in. A, Patrick Kane is always worth watching, and so is Alex Dabrinkit. Mm-hmm. But B, you can kind of get a look at what the future might hold for this Chicago Blackhawks franchise. So, fun note, just just since we're, we're, we we got to have a little fun here. It can't be all doom and gloom here at the end. We know what what their prognosis is here. It's done. The season's over playoff wise they they were mathematically limited on monday night like we mentioned earlier but you mentioned a guy in there like sure i I, i've been intrigued by alec ragul and sure uh would be nice to see even if it's just for a game or two here down the stretch granted there's only three left uh but yeah uh, it would be nice to see one like him but another name you mentioned in chad yetman um you know draft pick from last year's class has been in rockford uh shuttled down to echl action with the indy fuel as well but he is an eerie otters product as well 
Um, and he was an overager for his draft class. So I believe, if I'm mis- not mistaken, Ron, he was around the Erie Otters still when Dylan Strom and Alex Dabrinkit were there, or at least when they were exiting, he was an incoming Erie Otter there. So it would be kind of funny in my mind to see a Dylan Strom, Alex Dabrinkit, Chad Yetman line go out, even just take a couple spins around the ice. That would be fun, and I'm sure those guys would enjoy it too because I, I I find it hard to believe that they – they don't know each other. You know what I mean? Like to me, I, I I don't think that's the possibility. Like you said, like even if he was just kind of coming in as they were going out, like they probably all knew each other. Maybe they, they weren't best of buddies like to bring it Stromar, but, and, and, you know, I'm sure JC we've seen, we've seen JC come out of his shell a little bit this year. He's got a sense of humor. I could see him absolutely doing that. If they were like, Hey, we're going to dress Yetman for a game and he go, okay, starting lineup tonight. We got Strom, we got to break it, we got Yetman. Erie <laughs> Otters assemble. Shout out to Dude. Yeah, Thoughtful we do. That's... He does always do that. Just Erie's Otters assemble. Just play that gif on repeat the whole night long as those guys take the ice. Because again, these last three games, fuck it, why not, Johnny? Yeah, and that's honestly more for our four feathers. Uh, you know, a Hawks contributor over here at OnTap Sports that uh, I've seen him retweeted from the Four Feathers account at that Pod Guy Duke on Twitter. Duke Coughlin, he loves the old. Uh, Erie Otters assemble uh, with the horn, uh, the, the blow horn. I, I love it. I think it's hilarious whenever Dylan Strom or Alex Dabrinkit do something. You could have another Erie Otter in there with Chad Yetman. So I just wanted to bring that up as we're having some fun here on the Four Feathers post game show. Um, uh, beyond that, like we'd mentioned, three games left. I guess the, the other topic that we touched on briefly when it was still not officially official, uh, but it was leaning towards it, is that fans will be back for those last two home games. Um, I, I think it's unfortunate that these are Sunday and Monday night home games in a regular season. Sure. No problem. One of those great six o'clock starts Sundays. It's no problem. But if these are the first time people are able to get back and it's limited capacity and all that. And so sure it's only going to be like that, but it would be nice if that was like a Friday or like Saturday night, just sucks that it was so late in the season. So um, if you're going out and you're enjoying yourself at any of these games, the final two, please tag at four feathers pod on Twitter, Instagram, and we'll uh, make sure to give you a little retweet, a little reshare to the story or whatnot. Uh, Cause that will be fun. If you're getting out Ron. personally, I- I'm not going to be able to get out to any of these games. Like I said, the weird, it's a Sunday and Monday night there's going to be white Sox, and you got Cubs on your side there. So um, I think it will be cool to hear the roar back, albeit, a little bit minimized uh, with the capacity restrictions that will be in place. But, you know, we, we kind of poo-pooed it a little bit here just because it feels like a damn. It's like a day late. It's a day late and a dollar short. We, kind we, of we, we could have had this earlier. It, it could have, it absolutely could have been implemented earlier. And there would have been at least hopefully, uh, you know, even if it was long shot still maybe during that Nashville series, maybe the crowd think about that comeback that they had. That would have been awesome with the crowd in the building, even if it was limited capacity. The, the miracle on Madison that we had against Nashville to kind of keep ourselves alive a couple of weeks ago on that Wednesday night. So um, otherwise, though, Ron, I, I am at least looking forward to hearing Chelsea Dagger and some fans cheering along with it. Absolutely. It's still going to be refreshing because I think if nothing else, it's going to be just that little bit of a tease that Hawks fans need to kind of get through the offseason. A little bit of a tease like, hey, the next time the Hawks play again, there's going to be fans in the building. Granted, we don't know what the capacity is going to be. I mean, things are changing daily in in this world right now with, you know, vaccinations getting out there and, you know, just COVID restrictions in general being laxed and things like that. So we don't know what 
October hockey looks like necessarily just yet. But we do know at least, just with this little tease here at the end of the season, that there will be at least some fans in the building for when the Hawks take the Mm -hmm. ice for the 21-22 season. I can guarantee, and this is just going off of timelines here. This is not on numbers or anything like that, like you'd mentioned. I can guarantee that it'll be more than 25%, though. By that time, when October rolls around, um, there will be more than 25% capacity in the stand. So it'll be more of a roar. You know, remember the roar of the old madhouse. Everybody loves that. Uh, it's a great saying on their archive collection that they've got going on at the Blackhawk shop. But uh, it, there will be more of a roar when it comes around. Like you said, this will be the first kind of tease uh, of it back there. So if you are going out, please enjoy yourselves. Don't let our kind of daylight dollar short sort of commentary on our last episode here uh it, it negate you uh having fun like i said we'd love to see it um and we're we're anticipating it we're, we're looking forward to hearing uh that enthusiasm back because th- that's the one thing that is great about chicago blackhawks fans is hey through thick or thin uh, we're very supportive uh, of this team uh, and I think we, we can say that firsthandly here and then just with all the people that we've interacted with, whether it be on Instagram, whether it be on Twitter, like these people are still dialed into these games, even though they may not mean anything anymore. Maybe not as, you know, heavily. They might be on the Blackhawks, maybe relegated to a second screen now. Uh, if you've got your baseball team on the first screen and, and whatnot, might be a little different setup. But overall, I think there's still a, a bit of a, um, you know, dedication to it, Ron. Absolutely. It's still nice to watch the Hawks. I mean, again, right now, especially like if you're if you're in it for the long haul, which I think majority, if not all fans are because you love the Blackhawks, you know, you love that, you know, you love to see them, you know, competing this season in in a season that people thought they were going to be the worst team in the central. So that was nice to see that. But these last couple games will be cool because you just get to see kind of a taste of what's coming up in the future. It really feels like this is finally the first time that some of these quote unquote somewhat top prospects, maybe not necessarily the two Votera Vinans of the world, throwing it back to circa, you know, 2013, 2014, but you know, at least guys that are competing for meaningful positions on this Mm -hmm. team going forward that most fans are expecting to be a competitive roster, if not next season, at least the year after that. So, you know, it's cool to see some of these guys like, is Mackenzie Entwistle going to be a part of this, you know, team for the future is a guy like Adam Gaudet going to be a part of this, you know, we know Riley Stillman's going to be a part of the future because of his extension that he signed. You know, so seeing just kind of how these guys fit in, who's going to be a part of the picture going forward. You know, like you said, maybe they're relegated to the second monitor, the second TV, but there's still something. There's still a why as to why you're watching the game because you want to see what this Blackhawk group has for the future. And I think there's a lot of guys with some promise. Do I think they have the next Patrick Kane in their system right now? Maybe not. I think I think Kirby Doc was the closest thing to that that they had had because, you know, he's a top three draft pick, but they still have a lot of meaningful role guys that mm-hmm. should be able to step up and, and play big roles on this team. I think a perfect example is a guy like Brandon Hagel this year, who has really shown he can play up and down the lineup. And those type of guys throw it way back to that 2010 cup team when they had guys like Versteeg, Bufflin, Brower, Sharp, that kind of could do that. You know, you need those guys to win meaningful games and win playoff series. Yeah, and I think just going to looking ahead to what will be exciting to watch, especially fans in person, it'll be your first look at Brandon. Sure, we all seen him on TV and all that. And if you were lucky enough to go to a road game, sure, you may have seen him and you really appreciate his efforts there. But on the ice, you can guarantee Brandon Hagel is going to stir it up at least once with somebody uh, in those last two games, whether it be a fight or just chippiness along the boards or whatever it may be. And guys are going to love him the way that they loved Andrew Shaw. And that'll be your first time to see him 
uh, in the UC, in the red sweater there, uh, bouncing around and throwing his body around and doing what he needs to to make one of those plays. So that's something that I would really be looking forward to if I was going to one of these games in person. And even then, I'm still looking forward to watching him on TV because we love Brandon Hagel's work ethic. We love his, uh, you know, balls to the wall mentality with which he plays. So um, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to here down the end. And then just a last note here as we do our little look ahead, as we always do at the end here, is these last two games in this next one that are coming up, they're against Carolina Hurricanes. This is a really good, skilled Carolina Hurricanes team. They're very fast and very good at rush chances or all that. So this is really hard for some of these younger guys coming in against these, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes who want to keep pressing up towards the top of the division as much as they humanly can. Um, and they're doing it and having to beat up against a team that is experimenting here. So luckily these last two will be against the Dallas Stars who the Blackhawks have had pretty good success against this year, Ron. So that's what I'm looking forward to in the last two home games. It's le- at least it's not Tampa Bay and Florida or Carolina coming in. I'm glad it's the stars for the last two home games. Once again, they do have one more against Carolina. Thanks to that weird sort of scheduling thing uh, due to Tampa Bay's not being able to play Dallas because of the winter storms there and yada, 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 all that. So they do have one against Carolina, one more Thursday, uh, kind of completing a three game set here, baseball style on Thursday night. And then it'll be Sunday, uh, Monday night at home to round out the season against the Dallas Stars. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to. And I think you can get at least one of those games a win against the Stars. Yeah, 100%. I think if nothing else, a win in front of some fans just goes a long way. It's going to feel good for the guys going into the offseason. It's going to feel good just for, I think everybody's just kind of overall psyche of, oh, hey, fans are back in the building. Things feel at least somewhat like they used to. You know, these guys feed off that energy. Like, it's it's not a joke. So I think it'll be cool for those guys to get that experience in these last two games um, at home versus the Stars, obviously, but like you mentioned, the one more against Carolina. But Going back to what you mentioned about Carolina, like Carolina's competing for a number one seed, and I think a lot of people forget about that because, you know, they aren't guaranteed that top seed in the Central. You know, Tampa and, and Florida are that close on their heels that more so Tampa than Florida, but, you know, they can really kind of swoop in and, and steal something here. And, you know, Carolina's got two really meaningful games against the Predators, and the Predators are going to be playing balls to the walls because they're fighting for their playoff lives. They're trying to stay in that fourth spot. And the Dallas Stars are, you know, kind of teetering still on like, hey, we can kind of get there if we uh, get a little bit of help. So um, it, they'll, they they need to keep playing. They need to keep their pedal to the metal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even a, a 6-3 game against the team. I mean, hell, the first period the Blackhawks came out and mm-hmm. were by far the better team. That's encouraging alone because, as you mentioned, they're in an experimental phase of their season and they still came out against, you know, a team that really is looked at as a cup favorite right now. Mm-hmm. and we're the better team. Like that's hugely encouraging. That's great to see. So yeah, you know, it still sucks to lose, you know, six, three, but as you mentioned, Johnny, two teams going in two completely different directions, these last three games. Now let's just, like you said, let's just finish it up with Carolina. Hopefully nobody gets severely hurt. Don't need yeah. anybody going into the off season with a major injury and then just ride and in, right into those last two games, with the stars enjoy being at home with some fans in the stands, get some young guys, some meaningful planning time. And we'll ride into the off season, and uh, we'll be back at it in, in October, uh, right here at Four Feathers. Yeah, absolutely. So one one thing I'm predicting for the final stretch, um, I don't know how Thursday night's going to go, uh, but I do foresee the Blackhawks for a final prediction down the stretch here. I do foresee them winning that Monday night game, the last game the, of the season at home uh, against the Dallas Stars, because 
I think, you know, with where they're sitting right now, and granted things could change over the course of the next, you know, day or so when Dallas plays and if Carolina and Nashville are off and whatnot. Um, But Dallas is at 56 right now, uh, Nashville at 60 in the fourth spot. So they're still chasing by four. Remember the Blackhawks for a while, they were at that, you know, kind of like four to six points out of Nashville there. uh, And they gave it their one last hurrah with the Miracle on Madison on that Wednesday night and then eventually uh, lost that Friday and essentially fell out of it for good. Um, feel like Dallas could be at that point and they'll be at the demoralized phase and the Blackhawks able to finish them off uh, and send the fans out from the season on a good note. So that's my prediction uh, for down the stretch. But uh, the Thursday night, uh, we will do a stick to click uh, just for shits and giggles. I mean, Alex Dabrink, it's a very uh, easy, obvious one to pick here. Uh, but I'll go in Dominic Kubalik because I've seen a little bit of too much slander uh, for him, you know, Oh, well, his production is not the same. It's like, okay, well, he had uh, certain elements, a very big one removed around him and Jonathan Taves, who he played with pretty much the full season in the 2019-20 campaign. So I'll go with Dominic Kubelik, score another goal, shut up the haters. No, I love that. And honestly, Johnny, just to to, to continue on your Dominic Kubelik um, is still a dude kind of, uh, you know, direction, I guess, for lack of a better term here, but he still had a really good year without Jonathan Tate. So like, and it was a more, it was a different like role. It wasn't the 32 or 34 goals, whatever it was. It was a more complete game and the assist and the vision sort of. Exactly. Exactly. He, he had to go from being able to be the finisher on that line with a guy like Jonathan Taves to being guys, the kind of the guy that drove some of that offense. And he still did it very well this year, getting plenty of assists, had a great year. I think he's still third on the team in scoring. So like, He's still a very good player, ladies and gentlemen. Don't get discouraged. Dominic Kubelik is well worth the money they paid him, and uh, even more so. So, yeah, I, I don't think, um, I don't think that's a bad pick at all. I think Dominic Kubelik, you know, getting a couple more just to kind of pad the stats a little bit at the end of the season uh, will do him a lot of good. But I'm going to go ahead and go a little bit off the board. I, I think maybe with my pick, um, you know, I, I've, I've kind of liked what I've seen out of him so far. And I, I feel like with the Adam Boakvist injury, uh, he's going to get plenty of playing time, but a goal in last night's game and assistance tonight's game. I'm going to go with Ian Mitchell. Yeah, uh, It's nice to see him back. I think they did the right thing for him. Let him go down to Rockford and play big, meaningful minutes. I think mm-hmm. that only benefited him. I think you're starting to see a little bit more of that now because he looks a little more confident. Um, he's a little more willing to jump in the play. Granted, he did some of that when he was up already. So I'm not totally poo-pooing him and saying that he absolutely needed this Rockford time to be a good hockey player. But just when you get to work on your game and there's a little less pressure and, and you're not you're not hindering a team from potentially making the playoffs because you're, you're making rookie mistakes. I think that just gives him a lot of confidence. And now knowing he can come back up and just say, Hey, fuck it. I'm going to go ahead out there and leave it all on the table and see what happens here. And I wouldn't mind seeing him, you know, get a, maybe another one or two, maybe even three or four points um, over the course of these last three games. So I'm going to go ahead and go Ian Mitchell. I think for Thursday night, he's played two really good games against the hurricanes. Let's keep it going with a third. I, I really like the, his mentality and his approach too. You can just tell he, he is very wise beyond his years uh, in terms of hockey sense. Um, and he's very humble too, because he said, you know, the, this league, it's not easy to crack. It's especially as a defenseman, that development process takes a while. And he said, you know, you think you're going good for a little bit and he was inconsistently and all that. Uh, and then not inconsistent in the lineup consistently. That's right. <laughs> clear up my words here uh, for the listeners. Uh, but then, you know, he go, goes down and gets that uh, demotion to Rockford and if you go and listen to the first you know couple maybe two three weeks of the season Ron had said that like when Mitchell was getting shafted on minutes and getting close to the you know 10 to 
14 minute range uh, consistently for a couple of games. Ron had said, Hey, just let him play the meaningful minutes. It's better than, uh, you know, having him play just very sparingly in low leverage right. situations up here. So Ron I need to give you my fellow panelists uh, props for alluding to that earlier in the season. We obviously saw it go into effect, uh, but I like that down the stretch here because he did score a nice little goal uh, on that Monday night game. So um, I, I like that pick as well. You got Mitchell, I got Kubalik. Uh, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Four Feathers podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in. Make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. So, Ron, uh, hope for the best these last few. If not, we're looking out for development um, as we kind of expected all season. Uh, it's just where we're at at this point. So um, I'd like to finish it out with a win at home, and I'm sure we'll be back on the mic before then, though. But until then, I got three words. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks. <laughs>